Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Psalm 46, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Harvest family. It's been great studying the Psalms with you these last few weeks. As we said at the beginning of this series, we are studying in the Psalms the attributes of God, because what we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's what A.W. Tozer said at the beginning of one of his famous books. And it is certainly true. When trials of life and challenges come, we need to have the foundation of knowing who God is to inform us and strengthen us and direct our minds to go to the Lord. Because this passage comes and even asks us the question uh, in not so many words, you know, where do you find your refuge? Where do you go to get strength when something needs to be done? Where do you go when there's no place to hide or no place to go? The psalmist gives us the answer. And the answer is right here in verse 1 of Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But that's not simply a statement to put on a bumper sticker or to pin on your Pinterest page or Facebook or to tweet out or some social media thing. No, the psalmist shares the truth up front and then he unpacks for us why that is true. Why is it that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble? Well, we're gonna find that out as we study the psalm this morning. One truth, one reason why God is our refuge and strength, the first one is God is not threatened by natural disasters. When the earth gives way and everything gets thrown around, we can find refuge in him. Look at verses two and three. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, 
though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. It gives us this picture of the powers uh, that exist in the natural world that God has created. And there's nothing more scary, I think, than when you are in the midst of a natural disaster. Certainly what we're experiencing now is challenging, but if you've ever been present when there's an earthquake, I've only been in one and it was really more of a tremor than it was the experiencing of a massive earthquake. But everything is upended and flipped upside down and the world seems like it's just going to explode. I want to read to you an account of some individuals who were in an earthquake and this is what they experienced. And this is the experience of of many who have been in an earthquake of, of large magnitude. This is what they said. When the earthquake struck, the noise was many magnitudes louder than thunder. The roar was at an intensity I had never experienced before. The building itself was shaken like a doll's house and we were tossed around like dolls inside. The lights swung violently from the ceiling. Cracks appeared from the ground beneath. Fear and panic ensued as the ground shook up and down and the entire place, it was like the entire place fell from the sky and struck the earth with an impact. Glasses smashed, books fell off the shelves, and their one-of-a-kind mosaic fell off the wall. They said it was terrifying. We held tight for the first main shake, curled up in balls under a table until it was over, clinging to the table legs. Then we rushed outside for fear that the house might come crashing down upon us. When earthquakes happen, homes are wrecked, buildings are wrecked. Unfortunately, people die. The earth is upended and fires break out and vital services can get shut off. That's the description that we see here. And when those things happen, happen. God is not moved. In fact, there's a picture the psalmist here shares with us here that God is not just in a place where he's not moved. He's in the midst. Look at verse four and five. It says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Now here, as we look at it, it talks about, you know, a a, a stream that makes glad the city of God. There's not a stream going through the city of Jerusalem. Rather, it's a picture of God's presence and his peace. Because in ancient times, if there was a stream 
flowing through a city, it meant uh, prosperity. It meant that there were things that could nourish the soil. It meant that if uh, an opposing nation came and tried to build, uh, you know, around the city to block them off from everything, they could still have things grow because of that life-giving water that came through. Even in the book of Revelation, Revelation 22.1 says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So it's even a picture for us in the New Testament looking to the day when we will be in heaven with Jesus. There's a river that flows from him. There's, and it's a sign of his presence and his provision and his ability to care for the needs of his people. So that's the picture that the psalmist gives us in the midst of all this turmoil that's going on. God is in the midst. And it says in verse 5, he, you know, it uh, says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. It's talking about how God will help his people. God's not moved. And we don't have to be moved, even when the very earth gives way, even if the waters are roaring and the oceans are roaring so much so that they're threatening the mountains that we think that can never be moved. We don't have to be moved because God is with us. God is present and he is not threatened by natural disasters. God's also our refuge because God is not threatened by nations and governments. All the things that nations and governments have done since the beginning of, of the fall, since the fall happened and there was death that took place and, and wars would happen over time, God's not threatened by any of that. Look back at your Bibles. It says, verse 6, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. So when the nations are warring, whether it's the Cold War or whether it's an active battle that's going on, whether there's great nations that start to totter and be uncertain, God has command over all of that. It says he utters his voice and the earth melts. Now we may have melted certain things. Maybe you've lit a candle and seen the wax melt as the wick burns down, or maybe you've cooked something on the stove or in the microwave and that melts as you heat it up. Or maybe you've cooked something over the fire, you know, cooking marshmallows or whatever, and you heat that up and it melts. And there's some heat there and you can see that happening. But here we see that God can melt the earth. Now you understand what it takes to melt the earth. What does it take to create lava where you take earth and it's so hot that it melts? Lava, when it comes out of a volcano, is about the temperature of 1,300 to 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. That's how hot the earth has to be to melt. And God melts the earth with his voice. It says he utters his voice and the earth melts. That's the kind of power and authority that God has over his creation. And in the context of that, if you put people and nations up against that kind of power, they 
They're nothing for God. In fact, God controls the hearts of leaders. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Friends, we need to stop believing that we are the ones that can move nations and leaders. It's not man that does that. It's God who does that. Certainly, God uses human instruments to accomplish his purposes. And we have opportunities, even in our nation, to share our opinion or to express our concern. We can take action. But the place we must begin is God because it's God who moves hearts. We need to get on our knees and appeal to our God to move. And we want to do what he is doing not rush forward with what we are doing. Certainly in the Old Testament, time and again, we can see when God's people said, well, I'm going to move forward, and they do it without God, and it goes horrible for them. But yet when they go forward, when God has called them to move forward and they trust in him, he does great things because he's not threatened by nations or governments, none, because he's the Lord of hosts. If you look in verse seven, it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What does that mean, the Lord of hosts? Hosts means like armies. He's the Lord of armies. He has armies, heavenly armies at his disposal at any time. He commands thousands upon thousands and myriads upon myriads. They're at his disposal. So that is the one who is with us. So when we are afraid of nations rising up against ours or other nations or afraid against what happens in our place we don't need to fear because it says the lord of hosts is with us so that is the truth god's not threatened by nations or governments he's not threatened by natural disasters we need to know this truth that god is where we find safety God is the place where we find safety. It's not in a physical place. It's in God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. That's the place where we find safety. Now, it's great to talk about that, but what does that functionally look like? How do we find refuge in him? What is it that we need to do where we can practically experience that refuge in him. Well, there's three things I want to talk about very briefly. One is this, remember who he is. That's what the psalmist does at the very beginning of this psalm. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now he goes on and unpacks the things that we've unpacked, but he's calling God's people to remember he is our refuge and strength. He has been present and helped us in the past. I'm even reminded of when he helped God's people when Moses was leading them through the Red Sea, how he was uh, de he defeated Pharaoh's army, God did. I just want to read from Exodus 14. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. 
and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. All of the host of Pharaoh had, that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. So in verse 8, it says he brought desolations on the earth. He, he brought desolations on those who were doing evil. He can bring those desolations about. As the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being the wall to them on the right to the left, it was a safe place for them because God brings that. And the psalmist wants us to be reminded of that. The psalmist wants us to remind us in verse 9, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He can even make wars cease by causing the enemy to afflict themselves. Look at 1 Samuel 14. It says, Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. God confused the enemies of his people. He broke their bow and he shadowed their sword because he turned them against themselves. It even happened again in 2 Chronicles 20. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord had set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So it was the Lord that set the ambush, not the people. So it says, who come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. They destroyed one another. And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. So lest we think that God's not great enough to tackle the challenges in front of us or even those who oppose us or are enemies, God has confused the enemies of his people to the place where they destroy themselves. We need to be reminded of what God has done. And you know in your life that God has won victories. He has met you in places. So be reminded of that. Be reminded of what he has done. Because he's sovereign over all nations. He's sovereign over your circumstances. And he causes those nations to rise and fall. But he has always met his people. So be reminded of that truth. Be reminded of who he is. Be reminded of what he has done. But one of the most important things that we can do is to be still before him to be still before him. We like to just do things. I don't know about you, but when there's something in front of me, I want to figure it out. I want to put a plan together. I want to make notes. I want to plug details into a spreadsheet. There's a lot of different things that go through my mind when something comes in front of me. Sometimes there are situations where things flood and you just you don't know where to go or what to do. And other times you're just like, no, I got to get something done. But the command here is to be still. Look at verse 10. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He is going to be exalted. As we've learned in the Old Testament, you know, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's our passion because we know that's going to be the case. That's why we spread the gospel as a church. But we need to be still before that God. Before we go and run and do, we must be still before him and know that he is God. Because when we are still before him, we are reminded of who he is. When we're still before him, we're reminded of what he has done. When we're still before him, we look at ourselves in light of who he is. And it prevents us from being proud and arrogant and rushing in to, to exalt ourselves or our opinion. But we are rightly aligned with who he is and what he wants us to do because we're still before him. Because this is what happens. When we're still before the Lord, the fog that is around us, whether it's the fog from fear and all that's coming at us or the fog of various things that are welling up inside us that we want to do, that when that fog is lifted when we are in his presence and we become aware of how safe we are. And we become aware of what he can accomplish, not what we can accomplish. That's what happens when we're still before him. That's happened to me time and again. It happened to me earlier this week. I had a number of things in front of me that I had to do or wanted to do or felt burdened to do. And it was just kind of welling up inside of me. And I just was like, oh. And the Lord was kind to remind me, go over to this passage. You've been studying this passage this week, Jamie. Look at this passage. So I read it and it says, be still and know that I'm God. And I'm like, I gotta do this thing. I gotta take this time. I can't stop and rest. But when I just stopped everything, when I closed my computer and turned off my phone and left it here. I left my house and I went for a walk and I prayed for several hours. And I found a pond where I could sit down on a bench where there was nobody around and just sit and be still before him. And I had uh, a small Bible with me and it was just open and I was before him. And the fruit of that time was that I became aware of who God is. I became aware that I'm found in him because of what Jesus has done. I was reminded afresh that he's the one that acts. I was reminded of my limitations and how limitless he is in his ability. Friends, we need to be still before the Lord because we can enter into his presence. We can enter into his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done. In Matthew 27, 51, we're reminded that when Jesus went to the cross, the veil of the temple was torn. So rather than us needing to go to a temple and a place to meet with God, we could meet with him 
anywhere because that was torn so that we could enter the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus and we can have relationship with him when we repent and we believe in him and we trust in him. If you've never trusted in him, I'd encourage you to trust in him because you can come to him because of what Jesus has done and he has promised us this. If you are found in him, Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That was his promise to us as he sent us on the Great Commission. So he is present. He is a very present help in our time of need. He's our refuge and strength, and we can know that. We don't find that, friends, in just knowing this truth and then doing something else because it's really God plus nothing is our security. Not God plus me figuring it out is my security or God plus, well, if I have enough money to get me through, uh, then I find security. Or if I've stored up enough resources in this time of uncertainty, then I can feel safe. No, it's God plus nothing is where we get our security because God is the only place where we can truly have security, find security, find refuge, and strength, friends. Because the passage says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's, he's not just the place that we go to where we are, are afraid but we definitely go there when we're afraid because he is our refuge. He's our strong tower. He's the fortress, the place that we go where nothing can get at us. But he is also our strength. He's the one that gives us strength. He's the one that gives us the help that we need when in trouble. Whether trouble is afflicting us or we know we're walking into it, he is our very present help in time of need. He is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. So friends, I want to ask you, challenge you, encourage you, wherever you are at, to take some time this week and be still before him. Shut your computer, turn off your phone, Walk outside of your house if you need to, whether walking in the woods or, or going to a place that's quiet and just take a, a paper copy of your Bible, maybe a pen and a notepad uh, to write things down. But go read this psalm. Read some of the psalms we've been studying. Read some other psalms. Read some other portions of scripture and be still. Don't take it as a time to just plan out your day or organize your to-do list. Put all of that aside. The greatest thing we need most often is not uh, the seven best ways to get things done or to read this or to read that. The thing we often need most is simply to be still and to know that he is God. You get to the place where you, you remove those things, you put in your mind things about God, where you know that there's nothing that he can't deal with. There's, there's, uh, there's, he can take care of all things, where you know that he is over all of the 
things that happen in this world from the created order or whether it's governments or leaders or afflictions that you face. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Friends, let's be still before him. Let's be still and know that he is God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have saved us and made us your own. Lord, I ask that we as a faith family this week would truly find refuge in you, that we would sit before you and that we would remove the distractions and that we would be still before you. God, I pray specifically for moms who have little kids running around. God, would you give them a respite, give them a time during nap time, or put just help the kids to go to sleep tonight, So not so that they can watch their favorite show, but so that they can go and be still before you, where they can truly find help and refreshment and joy. Or if there are many things afflicting, many work schedules that are busy and just exhausting, I pray, Father, that we would believe the truth that we can get away and be still before you. And that's gonna make all the difference. So I pray for us as a faith family, God. I ask, God, that we, you would help us to be still before you and know that you are God. For you are gonna be exalted among the nations. You will be exalted among the earth. And we look forward to that day when we can do that for all eternity. We ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let's, let's stand and respond in song to this truth. And even as we sing this song, if you simply, rather than standing, need to sit and be still, sit and be still. If you need to turn off the volume so that you can sit and be still right now, we'll sit and be still. Because your God is personal and he wants to meet with you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.